0: We're jumping into a new series today called Generosity. Generosity, and the title of this morning's message is Receive a Gift. Receive a Gift. And the Bible says in Matthew chapter 25, we're going to kick off in verse number 34. And it says, the king will say to those on his right. Everybody say, the king. the king. See, the king wants to talk to you. The king wants to tell you something. The king will say to those on his right, come, come. Or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and welcome you? Or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and come and visit you? And the king will answer them and say, truly, I say to you, as you have did to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it me, Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you, God, that we will be a church that walks in the spiritual gift of generosity. And, Lord God, I thank you that that generosity isn't about us building our own empire. It's about expanding your kingdom. So, God, I pray that you would get us not internally focused but externally minded and spiritually focused where we can transform the, the area that we live in and expand your kingdom at an unprecedented rate with the authentic gospel of Jesus Christ that is so different than any other religion out there. And we thank Thank you, God, that you gave us your son, Christ, as Savior and Lord, so that we can expand your work. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, amen. You can be seated this morning. And what the the basis we're going to go off throughout this whole series, and I love the last part in verse 40. And the king will answer them, truly I say to you, or some versions say, I tell you the truth. And I'm going to tell you that whenever you did it unto the least of these, you have done it unto to me, And so there's a couple purposes that we have throughout this series that we're going to begin to talk about this morning. So today's going to be laying a lot of foundational groundwork for what we're going to be exploring throughout the next eight weeks. And the, perp- the purpose of this series is not to get you to give. Can I get an amen on that? <laughs> the purpose of this series is not to get you to give. A lot of people say, well, you know they're in that capital campaign at TWBC. They're wanting to get debt-free this year, and it's getting to the end of the year. Of course he would throw out a series called Generosity at the end of the year, right? (laughs) No, that's not the purpose of it at all. God's the one who is our source. God is the one who is our supply. God is the one who meets all of our needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. and So that's what we stand on. The purpose of this series is not to get you to give. The purpose of this series is, number one, to get you to receive a gift. See, I want you to receive a gift from God, right? I want you to receive a gift from God. I want to receive a gift from God. I pray that if we're ever at a place where we're like, God, I, we really don't need a gift from you. Uh, we got something wrong, Amen. <laughs> And so I want us, as the body of Christ, as the church, as TWBC, to receive a gift from God. And it is to receive the gift of generosity. It's to receive the gift of generosity. Now, you know when you have little kids, you don't have to teach them to be selfish. Can I get an amen on that? You know as a big kid, you don't have to teach us to be selfish. Can I get an amen on that? You got to teach a little kid to share and you got to teach grown-ups to give. Come on now. You got to teach little kids to share and you got to teach grown-ups to give. But here's the thing. If it's just a mental thought process and a learned behavior, it's not a gift. See, God goes a little bit farther than say have a great learned behavior called giving. He says I got a gift for you called generosity. Where that means you get excited where you get to meet the needs of others, not, well, they're asking for money. Come on now. You get to get excited when you see a poor person because you know you can make a difference in the poor person's life. You get to be excited when you see a crippled person because you know you have the gift gift of generosity. And through your generosity, they can be healed. Amen. See generosity is not just giving somebody food. Generosity is giving them the gift that you have on inside of you and on the inside of you. Some of you have the gift of healing. It's just you're so busy and you hadn't been taught how to share or you haven't received the gift of generosity. You walk right by somebody who needs a healing but you're not generous. Come on. And so we want the gift of generosity to fall upon this church where we give out of what we internally have as the gifts of Jesus Christ on the inside of us. Amen. And some of you that is financial, some of you that is healing, some of you that is feeding the poor, some of you that is giving somebody thirsty who's something to drink, some of you that is, you have an anointing on your life to heal the brokenhearted, it's time that we get generous as TWBC and go change the world. Jesus said they're going to know us by our love. And you can't just tell people, I love you and not be generous to them. Amen. Amen? Come on. I mean, husbands and wives, you loved your spouse so much you got married to them. And I guarantee you, at the beginning of your marriage, you were generous to one another. Now, some of your marriages have changed. That's why I said when you first got married. (laughs) Come on now. And you were generous to one another. And you would, guys, you would give her flowers and cards and everything else. (laughs) And now you're like, yeah, them young kids, they'll get over that. Why? What happened in your marriage that you lost the gift of generosity to your spouse? Come on. And so we need to get that gift back. We need to get that gift back. And so the first purpose of this message is to give you the gift of generosity, the series, I mean. The second one is, is that you would have the spirit of mammon broken off of you okay, and I'm going to explain the spirit of mammon here in a little bit, so I need you to get ready because I'm fixing to give you a wealth of information here, and a ton of scriptures here that you're not going to be able to comprehend at all, so go to the twbcss.com blog, my notes will be on there tomorrow morning, and you can print off a copy, study, read it, and actually in this series, I'm going to use a different version of the Bible than I usually use, I'm going to use the amplified version of the Bible for a lot of this series that we're fixing to do, because we need expounding on the word of God, amen, it amplifies it, it makes it louder, amen, it gives you a clearer picture. And so we're gonna to begin to use that version of the Bible through a lot of this series. Now, in the last series called CSI, we put, a, we put a huge emphasis on us becoming evidence, us ourselves becoming evidence. We become a witness of what Jesus Christ has done, carrying the power of evidence because he's done it in us. Amen? And so now we must let the world see that evidence. Now, when you have a crime scene case, they put the evidence in a room, in a box. Uh, And they put it on a shelf until it's needed for the case or the trial that it's on. And then they pull the evidence out and they begin to use it. The only difference between you and that type of evidence is Jesus didn't design you to be put in a box in a room and up on a shelf. He gave you a commission and it says, go with the evidence that I've given you and change the world that you're in. So our job now that after we've learned all this stuff about christ scene investigation and how we are a witness carrying the power of evidence within us, it's time that we go in the power of Christ and be generous with that evidence and so we can l- let the world see the power of God. Amen? Amen? So this is really where last series we had a great series where you learned spiritual stuff and you went great in depth, but your spiritual depth does no good unless it's applicable to the outside world. Your spiritual depth and your spiritual growth is not for you. It's for you to apply it to your life so the world can see that you're changed, that you're different. And so that's why we're doing this series called Generosity. And if you haven't gotten in on the Support Our Soldiers campaign that we're doing, there's a list printed out in the email every day. And we want to pack out a whole box of stuff for 300 soldiers in the Baker Company that we're going to mail off here in a couple weeks. I want you to have uh, evidence in your life, carry the power of it, but let people see it by what you do, how you meet their needs, how you become generous unto them. James, and we have know this, we've know this uh, scripture, we can say we know, we can say we believe, but if we are not showing the physical evidence, then we really do not know and we really do not believe. <clears throat> I'm going to say that again. We can say that we know about being generous, we can say that we believe about being generous, But if we don't go out there and be generous, we really don't know and we really don't believe. You may have knowledge of, but belief dictates your actions. And so if we really say we know about it and we really say we believe about it, but we're really not doing it, we just have knowledge of it and we really don't know and we really don't believe. James was very upset with, with the Gentile church and the Jewish uh, congregation that he was over, the Hebrew congregation that he was over. Because this is what he began to say. What good is it, my brothers, if someone says to you he has faith but does not have corresponding works or actions to go along with it? Amen. I believe in, in, in being generous. I believe in giving. But you never give a penny except to the finance company. Come on. Right? I believe in being generous. I believe in meeting the needs of the poor. Jesus said we should, we should help the poor. I believe in it, Joel, I really do. But if you don't have evidence of you doing it, then you really don't believe it because your belief will always dictate your actions. And I might have to make this a two part message. I'm just now realizing this. <laughs> And so we must become evidence that the world can see. In the last series, Damon, we talked about this. We must become evidence that if somebody can't believe, they can literally see us, come and touch us, and say, if God can do it in that person, he can do it in me. And so we must become evidence. If you have been the biggest miser and the biggest scrooge and the biggest um, a person that, that, is, that is selfish and, and in your life, and you've never given a penny... To anything, to, any, to, to, to benefit somebody who needs some help in life, <laughs> you're ready to change. It's time for you to become evidence. Amen. This is why I love one of my favorite Christmas movies, and, I, and we're already talking about Christmas series <laughs> and, and staff meetings and what we're gonna do, but one of my favorite Christmas movies is Scrooge. I love that movie because it's about a heart change. I'm ready for the church that resembles Scrooge to have a heart change. And begin to be the body of Christ and meet the needs of people no matter where they're at, no matter what their circumstances is, and no matter how bad they smell. Can I get an amen? amen? Because here's where we struggle in the body of Christ. We love to meet the needs of the people who are just like us. The problem is if they're just like us, there's a lot of people out there with a lot greater needs. So it's time that we look beyond what we're doing. And so James really got upset in the book of James chapter two, fourteen. And he says, if a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lack daily food, and and one of them says to them, go in peace, be warm and filled without giving them what they need for their body, what good is that? This is what what they're saying. You know, oh, here we are at the church. Oh my goodness, everything's going wrong in my life. There's something catastrophic just happening. We do this in the church. I'll be praying for you. (laughs) And we walk away. James says that is worthless religion because it is not making a difference. I mean, you can have Kevin touch earth, but how many of you actually sit down in your prayer closet that afternoon or that next morning and literally spend time interceding, not just saying, well, God bless them today and meet their needs. See, See, the Bible says that's worthless religion because you're not tapping into the anointing of God to change their life. But the person will know that there's a difference in your life. When you find somebody naked, clothed, or hungry, or cold, and you say, I got an extra jacket. I got ten in my closet, and I wear two of them. Come on now. I got an extra pair of pants. I got eight pairs in my closet, but only three fit. Come on. Get with me here. It's going into the Thanksgiving season. You know some of y'all are struggling with this. Hey, I got an extra shirt, some extra pants, some extra shoes that I haven't worn in a year. And I'm not saying ladies on this because I got the same problem, but ladies. Come on now. Jesus, or, or James, the brother of Jesus said this. What good is it to have all these things that you don't use and you see somebody in need and you pat them on the head and say, I'll be praying for you, sister. I'll be praying for you and let God bless your life. Let's change that. Let's change that. When is the last time you bought somebody who you know didn't have a lot of food? You just went and bought them groceries for the fun of it. Hey, I decided I don't need to go out to eat today. I'm going to use that $20 that I would have spent on lunch to go find somebody who actually needs lunch. And watch God begin to change their life. Throughout this series, we're going to do a series of generosity projects and let God do something in our life. James goes on to say, so it is also, by, so also faith by itself, if it does not have works, it is dead. But some of you will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. Amen. Amen. Show me your faith apart from your works, and I'll show you my faith by my works. I always say this. People always say, Joel, do you believe God is a God who still heals? And I say, yes, unequivocally, he is a God. He is the God who saves us, heals us, delivers us, and changes our life. Yes, I believe it. But I'm not going to try and talk you into believing it. I'm going to lay my hands on you and pray for you and watch you get well. And so you can believe in the evidence of the works themselves. Because it does no good to have a theological debate about something with a person who doesn't believe. Show them the power of it with the works behind it, then they have no choice but to believe. This is why last week when I said we must become evidence and the lady, the medical doctor who was here, who had immense pain from the back of her head all down her shoulders and couldn't lift her arm above her, uh, above her shoulder at the end of service, she was up here saying, look, God healed it. I didn't want you to hear me tell you about it. I wanted you to see it so that way it's undeniable and people can say, I don't believe in healing. and I'm going to say, well, explain this because the works are here. We must be a church that has so much faith that it spurs us to good works. Because if you say you have a ton of faith, but you're not showing the evidence of the works themselves, then you need to check, do I really have a ton of faith? And watch what God begins to do in your life. You need to go ahead and read the rest of that on your own time. I'm going to jump down to the gift part of it. The gift part of it. And I said, one of the goals in this series is that you would receive a gift. And that gift is the gift of generosity. And Winston Churchill said this. He said... We make a living by what we do. We make a life by what we give. We make a living by what we do. We make a life by what we give. I'm ready to have a life, not just a living. I'm ready to live, not just exist. I'm ready to change the world that I live in, not simply be a part of it. So generosity is a gift. We need to find this scripturally in Romans chapter 12, verses 3 through eight, say this, for by the grace, everybody say grace, Grace. anything you get from God, it's a gift given to you by his grace, you don't earn it, you don't fight for it, you can't work hard enough to get it, if you want it, you must receive it just like you did your salvation, by grace, through faith, (laughs) if some of you can leave here today, say, oh, I got the gift of generosity, I got it today, but you never go give a penny, then I don't believe you got it today. You receive it by grace, and you must begin to use it in the power of his grace. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, so he's saying to everyone, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought to think, but you think of yourself with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned to them. Now, I'm going to clarify. Just because you start with a certain measure of faith doesn't mean your faith can't and will not grow. So if all you can do right now is have the faith to give a, give a $1 bill or go buy somebody a $3 meal at McDonald's, hey, keep exercising that faith because in five years you may be able to buy somebody a dinner at a restaurant that you've never even been to before. Your faith is a muscle that you must grow and you must exercise. You must use it and put it into action. I'll explain it like this. In your life as a baby and you have a 3-year-old a, a or a 4-year-old little boy, and then you have, wouldn't it to say since I'm 37, Lord help us all. You got somebody my age who's 37. My four-year-old son has a bicep just like I have a bicep. My four-year-old son has a quad muscle just like I got a quad muscle. My four-year-old son has back muscles just like I got back muscles. He got calf muscles just like I got calf muscles. We got the same set of muscles. But if you were in trouble... Would you want my 4-year-old son to lift weight off you or would you want me to lift weight off you? What's the difference? My muscles have been exercised over the past 37 years of my life. He's had 4 years of exercise. Not maturity, hasn't hit puberty yet. He hasn't grown into adulthood yet. Hasn't become a man yet. But through time and exercise and perseverance, he will hopefully, praise Jesus, be taller than me. <laughs> And I hope he's six foot two and ripped. I I mean, just and out muscles me all the rest of my life. But right now, in his current state, if something were to happen, or if you had to move all these chairs by yourself, would you want me to help you, or would you want my four year old son to help you? See, he's got the same set of muscles I do, it's just our development processes are different right now. You and your life, if you're just starting out in this gift of generosity, Don't beat yourself up because you're not able to give and do what somebody else is able to give and do. Start using the measure of faith that God's given you. And let God begin to transform your life with the measure of faith that you have. See, where you start is not where you end. Where you're at right now is not your final destination what God's calling you to do and who he's called you to be, and you may not be there yet, but don't give up on it because through time and faith and perseverance, you're going to grow into the man of God that he calls you to be because he sees you as the finished product. You're still in the vision of getting there. See, God saw this building debt-free before the year started, and so did we. That's why it's called the vision, but we're still in the process of watching God manifest it. And so in your life, your life of faith, don't give up because you're not where somebody else is at, and you don't need to compare yourself to somebody else. You need to quit that business, and you need to receive things by grace through faith and just begin to exercise and use them and do them. It says, according to the measure of faith that God has assigned us, for as in one body we have many members, and members do not have all the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ, an individual, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us Let us use them. So I need you to check mark verse number six and leave it there. He goes in to say, if prophecy, then prophesy in the proportion to your faith. If service, then serve according to your your faith. To the one who teaches in his alley members, uh, one of another teaching. To the one who exhorts in his exhortation, to the one who contributes in generosity. So God right here is saying that The one who contributes in generosity is a spiritual gift, not a physical action. Come on. See, God is saying contributing in generosity is a spiritual gift, not just a physical action. So that's why I said this morning, I want you to receive a gift. I want you to receive a gift from God, the gift of generosity in your life that will begin to transform you. And you can see amazing supernatural things done, not just to you, but you can begin to do it. It can be done through you. And so in this, God right here lists lists generosity, this gift, in the same sentence with prophecy, in the same sentence with teaching, and he also lists service in the same sentence with prophecy and teaching. So everybody who says, well, I just don't have the gift of speaking on stage, and I don't have the gift of of prophecy, and I just don't have one of them important gifts, we need to redefine what important is. Because God in this lists generosity and service right in line with prophecy and teaching. (laughs) Lord, help us in America that everything has to be a pyramid scheme. And you got to get to the top. When Jesus said the true pyramid is just the opposite, the one who wants to be greatest must be the servant of least. (laughs) So you need to take your little pyramid and flip it upside down. And this is how it is. We uphold and build up the body of Christ. And so some of you are saying right now, well, pastor, just like I don't have the gift of prophecy, I don't have the gift of generosity. Well, the Bible says this, if you're lacking in a gift, pray for it. Come on. You didn't think I was going to let you out that easy, did you? (laughs) Well, I just don't have that gift. Thank you, Jesus. Well, good. Pray to get it and receive it by grace through faith. And when you go to Juan Pablo's for lunch and he says, tip your waitress an extra $3, you can't buckle up and say, "Oh, I'm not going to do it. No, because he's trying to exercise the gift of faith on the inside of you in the area of generosity so you can grow in your faith and be more generous. Come on. It's just like when I first begin to give words of wisdom and words of knowledge. God would give it to me and I'd be like, "Oh, I can't say that. God, they're going to hate me if I say that. <laughs> and I said, God, I just can't do it. And he's like, until you begin to use it, I can't grow you in it. <laughs> and if you'll notice, when I first started giving words of wisdom, I, I would always do this, and I would clarify myself. You know, I usually don't do this very often. <laughs> right? Some of y'all remember that. But, but I really believe God's telling me to say this. And then I'd spend like five minutes to, trying to justify what I was about to say in two words. But I had to at least begin to use it. When I first began to lay my hands on people and watch them get well, it didn't start with cancer. It started with a mosquito bite on my own leg. (laughs) I ain't even playing. Y'all, this has been a long road for me. And I'm still on it. Some of y'all are so far ahead of me and advanced in me in spiritual areas. Man, I'm still believing for mosquito bites sometimes. And I remember the first time, and I said, God, I want the gift of healing. And I want to lay my hands on people and watch them get healed. And I said, but you got to show me where my faith is really at. And he said, see that mosquito bite? <laughs> I'm like, really? He's like, really, really? <laughs> yeah, there it is. So I, just, I remember I was at a stoplight. I was right over there where Chili's is now. Chili's wasn't even born yet, or over there yet, born yet. Wasn't even <laughs> on the corner there yet. And I remember doing this. and I, It was right there on my leg. And I said, Lord Jesus. <laughs> And I tried to get all spiritual. You know, and can I just clarify something? If you pray louder and scream, God's not deaf and he doesn't hear better. Uh, okay? So you can whisper it and have more faith and move mountains than somebody who's screaming and yelling and sweating and all this other stuff trying to get God to move. So I just said with all the faith that I had, I said, oh, Lord Jesus. <laughs> and I built it up. You're king of kings and Lord of lords. You have all the power. And so, God, I pray for him. And I said, in Jesus' name, mosquito bites, you're healed. And I had about seven of them. I couldn't pray for them all at once. It wasn't there yet. And surely, one by one, I laid my hands on each one of them, and they never itched again. And the power of God began to move in my life. And I said, all right, God, we got mosquito bites down. He said, no, you started with mosquito bites. (laughs) Just because you passed first grade math don't mean you graduated second grade math (laughs) or third grade math or fourth grade math. And then me who hated math had calculus, business calculus, finance, one finance. I mean, you got it all. Take it to the depth that you want to. Get a master's degree in it. But you got to start somewhere, and we all start at the same level. And so use it according to the measure of faith given you in that area. With generosity, it is no different. If you can't begin to give $2 and tip your waitress a little bit extra, don't think you're going to buy the Pope a meal if he comes to Dallas. I mean, seriously. Seriously. We must begin to use and exercise our faith in the measure that it was given us. And so, if you're struggling with this gift of generosity, you need to begin to pray for it so you get it. But here's my one clarification because some people have been taught to give stupid. And I'm gonna clarify this you must ask for the gift of generosity. But say, God, I want it in proportion to the measure of wisdom I can handle to go with it. Here's the thing. Some of you, you you, you get inspired by an amazing message of generosity, but you don't use wisdom in how you give. You need to plan to give. You need to go home and look at your budget and say, where is my giving? Oh, it's not there? I'm going to budget it in so I don't have a choice but to start giving. I'm saying give in accordance to your faith, but marry it with the power of wisdom so you give smartly, not stupidly. See, some people have bought it in life. Well, I'm just going to give all I have and let God just supply it all. When God's saying, in the word, if you don't take care of your own household, you're worse than an infidel. He says that too. So you must ask for the gift of generosity married with the, uh, with the, with the gift of wisdom because God says in James, if anyone lacks the wisdom, let it ask God and he gives it liberally. See, God wants you to have more wisdom than you, than you do generosity because he wants you to be wise in how you give and where you give and who you give it to. We all know this common story. Somebody's struggling with alcohol and they're on the street and they're hungry and they want food. Do you give them 10 bucks? No, wisdom says go buy them a hamburger so they spend it rightly. I mean, we, we, some people would balk at my previous statement, but when I give them that illustration, we are like, well, yeah, I agree with that. That is generosity married to wisdom. And you must use them coinciding with one another and never let it separate. Because if you'll pray, God, give me wisdom on how to be generous, he'll give you wisdom on how to restructure your budget, and you'll give more than you've ever given in your life. Come on now, that's good. Amen. And if it's true what Winston Churchill says, you make a life by, you make a living by what you do, you make a life by what you give... And I believe that's true with all my heart because Jesus said, what you sow, you reap. Jesus said it just a little bit different. I want to have the gift of generosity, but I want to be able to give. See, some people really have the gift of generosity, but they got the brain of stupid. And they give everything away, but then they have nothing else to give because they didn't do it smartly. And I'm not being ugly saying that. I'm saying, God, give us wisdom on how to be generous and give it. I'm going to ask you right now, because it's eight weeks away, to start planning and budgeting in your weekly budget what you're going to give on our free day on November 22nd to watch the kingdom of God pay this church building off. Yeah. Amen. Get wisdom right now and begin to plan on what you're going to give. Don't wake up on the morning on the 22nd. Have a big fight with your spouse because you've been planning on giving $10,000 and she was planning on giving $20,000. And now y'all are fighting Because you didn't plan smartly on what to give. And in reality, you'll wake up and say, oh, it's free day. We got to give an offering. And the other one wakes up and is like, oh, what are we going to give? I don't know. We just bought groceries. That's what I'm saying. Marry it with wisdom. Start planning on how to give. Me and my wife, every week, we take out money. Then we put it in an envelope, and it just says giving. So when we see a need, we say, hey, it's in the envelope. Let's go get it, and let's just give it away, and let's bless somebody. We plan to give, and so therefore we can plan to live and watch God do awesome things through us. I want to touch on what Jesus said, and we'll definitely have to pick up on some of this message next week. What does Jesus say about all these things in Matthew 6, 19 through 24? He says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on this earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Now I need you to mark that word treasure, because some of your treasures are not dictated by God. They're dictated by what we're fixing to talk about in this next statement. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if the eye is bad, your whole body is full of darkness. If the light inside of you is darkness, how great is that darkness. Now that's a whole other sermon and a whole theology lesson there. But I want you to go to 24 and it says, "No one can serve two masters. For either he will hate one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and say it money." money. That's what English version says. The true word there in the Hebrew, in the Aramaic and in the Greek because the Bible's written in all three of those languages, Hebrew, Greek and Aramaic, the true word there is mammon. It's not money. The true word there is mammon. Now, what is mammon? Mammon is the spirit of evil that rests upon in our heart that we equate with money. And, and I've said this a billion times and I'll say it again. It's like if you got a brick, what can you do with the brick? You can build a house or you can break a window. The brick is not good or bad, it's the motive of the heart, the spirit driving it. If you got a dollar, is the dollar good? It can be, it can be used for good. Is the dollar bad? Well, it can be bad because it can be used for bad. But the dollar in itself is not good or bad. The dollar in itself is amoral. It's lifeless. There's nothing to it. It's what Joel decides to do with it that we attribute goodness to it or badness to it. When we do things in the kingdom of God and we use it for the kingdom of God, it's the spirit of God resting on the money. And he uses it to expand his kingdom. If we use it for evil things... It's the spirit of mammon resting on money, and it's used for evil things. So money is not good or bad, but Jesus said you cannot serve both God, the presence of God, and mammon, the spirit of mammon. And here's the thing. A lot of us say we want to serve God, and we serve God, but we're driven by the spirit of mammon. And what is that? It's greed. It is capitalism for the most part. Now, I'm not bashing America here, but a lot of American culture is driven on greed, consumerism, right? We're competing with the Joneses. If they got it, we want it, right? Covetousness and worry. Come on. How many of y'all worry? Worry. Worry kills the Spirit of God. So it's greed. It's covetousness. It's it's worry. And we got these things that we're dictating in our life, and they're making decisions on it. And if you, every time you begin to do something for the kingdom of God and you got to financially give, if worry comes up on the inside of you, there's a spirit of mammon that needs to be broken off. You should, when you drop your tie check in, be able to do it freely, (laughs) excited. See, when you can't take up an offering, it ought to be the biggest shout of praise in the church (laughs) because you're giving to the kingdom of God and giving freely. And you're doing it out of love for God because of his presence. And so in this, as you begin to give, and when you give, if worry comes up, if, well, I could use that to buy this boat. Men, don't say nothing. Just be quiet. Just plead the fifth. Come on. Or, oh, we could just, we could remodel this part of the bathroom. God, I just got I got to give God this money that I could use for something else. That's not the spirit in what we should give. That is not the spirit of generosity. And take it off of money for a minute. You're walking through Walmart, and you see a lady in need, or you see an old man in need, or you see somebody struggling. But your schedule is dictating you rather than the spirit of God. You have a mammon issue in your life. Because you're not willing to stop and be generous to those who need with whatever gift you have. Whether it be healing, whether it be uh, just healing the brokenhearted, whether it just be a word of encouragement... And so in your life, you must begin to decide, who am I going to serve? Because Jesus said this, you cannot serve both the spirit of God and the spirit of mammon that we equate with money. And we all know the common scripture that the Bible says, it's the love of money or the lust of money, you could even phrase it like that, which is derived by the spirit of mammon that is the root of all evil. He's not saying money's evil, it's just You can have money and use it for the kingdom of God, or money can have you, and it becomes what drives you. It becomes what makes you. It becomes what breaks you. Jesus said, you can't serve both. You can't do it. I'm going to talk next week, because I'm only halfway through the message, so it's a good stopping place, on a man in the Old Testament. His name is Joseph. And I want to end with this with Joseph this morning. Because Joseph was a slave, sold by his brothers, into slavery. There was a spirit of mammon driving this thing, okay? Greed, lust, jealousy, envy. They were jealous of his brother. So they beat him, threw him in a pit, pulled him out, sold him into slavery. A man named Potiphar bought him. And he was Potiphar's slave. And in being Potiphar's slave, he began to work. He began to be diligent. He began to press into the presence of God like never before. And listen, from society's standpoint, success is determined by a person's occupation, associations, and popularity, and the amount of money and material things he or she has accumulated. However, the biblical definition of success is determined by the presence of God. The biblical definition of success is determined by the presence of God. Notice his occupation and his position in this current world as a slave Did not dictate his ultimate end success where he was ruler over the whole known world except for Pharaoh himself. That ought to excite some people. When you will let the presence of God come on your life. And you're not driven by the spirit of greed, lust, covetousness. I got to make the next dollar. I got to get the next promotion. I'm not saying don't work hard. You need to work your butt off. You need to work like it's all on you. Pray like it's all on him. I mean, I'm talking work but work in the presence and power of God and let the presence of power of God begin to elevate you and begin to bring you to a new level because it's the presence of God that dictates what success is, not the money that you possess. We can talk about a million other scriptures that how people ran after money and it pierced their soul, the Bible says, with many pains and sorrows. Some of you have experienced that. This morning, I want the presence of God to come into your life. And as I end, I'm going to end with this. God wants to be generous to you again this morning. He wants to be generous to you again this morning. I say again because the cross was more than enough. Can I get an amen? amen. He wants to be generous to you to you again this morning because the resurrection was more than enough. Amen. He wants to be generous to you again this morning because the Holy Spirit who empowers us with everything that pertains to life and godliness is more than enough, but God still says this morning he wants to be generous to you because in Matthew 7, verse 7, he says, Ask, and it will be given unto you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. For the one who seeks, they find. And the one who knocks, it will be opened for them. For which one of you, if his own son asked him for bread... Will he give him a stone? Or if his son asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent? If you then who are evil, come on now. If you then who are driven by this greed, spirit of mammon, lust, capitalistic lifestyle. If you those who are evil know how to give good gifts to your own kids. How much more? Come Come on. How much more will your father in heaven give good things to you who ask of him?